Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast. This episode features the mystery short story, The Dead Lady's Coat, written by mystery author Joan Leota and read by Fresno actor Julia Reimer. The Dead Lady's Coat was previously published in the Crime Stalker Handbook. My cousin Joy's delight is treasure hunting at thrift shops and garage sales. Last Monday, she paraded over with what she considered to be the perfect item for me, a new winter coat. A coat was something not in my budget, since my small savings account was stretching to bridge what I hoped would be a temporary employment gap. She presented me with a genuine camel hair coat, quite new-looking and stylish. After sitting Joy down in front of a plate of my famous chocolate chip cookies, I tried on the coat. Joy nodded approvingly, adding, It's not thrift shop. This belonged to Charlie. I gagged. A dead man's coat? No, no, Sam's Aunt Charlene. Dear lady was born on the day of Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic flight. Her name started their family tradition of girls with male nicknames. Like your friend Sam. Right, short for Samantha. Anyway, the coat is almost new. Charlie bought it just days before her heart attack. The attack happened right after her weekly coffee date and card game with her retired cop neighbor. I told Sam you needed a new coat and... But still, I whined, it's a dead purr. Oh, get over it. By the way, Sam and I met some cute young guys while cleaning out Charlie's place. Nephews of that handsome ex-detective who squired Aunt Charlie around on those coffee dates. Seems he had a stroke the same day she died. They were cleaning out his place. Hmm. I wonder if I should have gotten their names for that new girl at work. They're about her age. I rolled my eyes. Joy likes matchmaking as much as treasure trawling, but her ability to find gems is limited to the sales. Joy ignored my expression, devoured four chocolate chip cookies, convinced me to keep the coat, then left. Alone, I struck a jaunty, modulesque pose in front of the mirror, pushing my hands deep down into the pockets. Yuck, wadded tissue and a hole in the left pocket. I gingerly tossed the tissue into the trash, sat down, coat across my lap, and pulled out the pocket lining to inspect the hole. Something hard inside the lining banged my knee. Careful pushing, prodding, and pulling prized a small, sharp-edged key from the coat's innards. It looked like a safe deposit box key. I punched Joy's number into my cell phone to tell her to call Sam about the key. Joy answered on the first ring. Before I could speak, she sobbed out that her house had been robbed and trashed, the police were there, but could I? Of course. By the time the police left, Joy was too shaken to stay alone, so back to my place we went. It was after midnight when I settled her onto my couch. Now wide awake, I reached for a book. Before I could turn a page, my phone rang. A male voice rasped. Joy there? I'm Ed, Sam's brother. Sam thinks she gave Joy something that I was supposed to get. Joy's asleep, I growled, thinking he could have waited for morning to call. Ed hung up. Joy raised her head. Who was on the phone? That was Sam's brother, Ed. Joy stifled a yawn and corrected me. Sam doesn't have brothers. Ed's short for Edwina. Suddenly, I remembered the key. Joy, my caller said that he was Sam's brother, Ed. Think, Joy, those cute guys at the neighbor's? What did you say to them? The roar of a motorcycle interrupted us. I croaked out, Joy, hide, and call 911. 
I grabbed my big green vase and slipped behind the door. Ed burst through a minute later, but my decorator-on-a-dime special conked him out. Sam and two police detectives arrived in short order. Sam told us that her house had been burgled, too. One of the two cops had been Zeke's, Aunt Charlie's friend's last partner, and he told us this tale. Zeke called me after discovering a stash of drugs while looking for his supply of motor oil in the shed he was renting to two motorcycle enthusiasts. We think they came back early and fingered him for taking their stash. So, on his regular date with Aunt Charlie, Zeke told her all and asked her to hold the key to the safe deposit box where he had hidden the evidence. From what you told us, he nodded at me. She stuffed the key into her coat pocket so hard it went into the lining. But she had a heart attack when she got home, so no one else knew about the key. The other cop continued. The punks must have discovered the box rental receipt, and while trying to get Zeke to tell where the key was hidden, he died. They must have remembered Zeke's dates with Aunt Charlie and figured she had the key. Joy picked up the story. So they came over at twilight while we were taking her apartment apart and chatted us up, hoping to find out about the key. We mentioned taking things for Ed. They must have followed Sam home, broke in, got my number and address from her phone list, and later got Joan's number and address from my emergency call list when they trashed my place. Pretty clever. Except for not knowing Ed was a girl, I chimed in. Turns out... There was a reward for capturing Ed. Joy, Sam, and I split the money. With my share, I bought a brand new coat. The Dead Lady's Coat was produced by Kings River Life. You can learn more about Joan Leota on her website, www.joanleota.wordpress.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Mebley. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. www.kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com We'll be back next month with another mystery short story. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at King's River Life. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery.